0: We are looking at Psalm 128, 128. I'll read it uh, for us first, and then we'll get into it. Okay, it says, uh, Psalm 128, verse 1. "Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. It's a good psalm, isn't it? (laughs) It talks about provision, it talks about growth, it talks about multiplication, it talks about inheritance, new life, longevity of life and peace. It talks about an amazing amount of blessing. Anybody up for a bit of blessing this morning? I feel like I got a good one today. <laughs> I feel like, come on, this is this is good. And... Uh, We all have those times, don't we, where we have the good days, the days where we feel blessed, you know, where you get up and uh, the sun is shining. And the birds are singing where maybe you've not had, um, you know, an alarm clock to wake you up. But it, you know it's your day off, and everything's going well. You've had at least an hour without anyone in your household asking you for anything. You're like, "Is everyone alive? Is everyone okay?" You are just kind of getting yourself on, getting your uh, cup of coffee or your tea ready. You look outside. You know, maybe you've gone for a run. I like to run in the morning. You've put your washing on the line. You know, your husband's, you know, staying away from DIY, doing some good chores that he's really good at. And you're just like, yes, life is good. I feel so blessed. And then we also all have those other days where it's like the worst day ever. (laughs) Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. On a day where you're supposed to have an alarm, but it doesn't go off. So everyone's rushing around. It's chaos in your house. You know, your children, as that you know they're kind of needing everything, uh, one of them tells you that, oh, I'm cooking today. I need cooking equipment. Like what? Like now, today? Another child, you've got them dressed, but then they say, oh, it's PE today. I've got the wrong uniform. So you have to start the whole process again. You get in your car. There's no petrol in your car. There's been a crash on the motorway, so you're being diverted, and you eventually get to work thinking, oh, could the day get any worse, and you realize when you open up your laptop you left your charger at home and your laptop is dead because the children have been playing on it you know kind of one of those days (laughs) we've all had them haven't we we've all had the good days we've all had the days where we feel like we're blessed as opposed to the days where we feel like anything but blessing and the thing is is that a surface level and understanding of blessing would say that to be blessed is when things go well To be blessed is when everything is easy. To be blessed is when I feel like life is blessing me. But the problem is, is what happens when we don't feel blessed? What happens when things don't go well? When everything is anything but easy? What happens when all you see around you is lack and trial and challenge? I want us to understand, church, today that blessing is less about what we possess and it's all about our position. Less about possession, but all about position. And I truly believe that if we can grasp this, if we can walk out of these doors in a few moments' time, grasping the weight and the understanding of what it means in the Bible to be blessed, then it's going to transform the way we think. It's going to transform the way we speak. It's going to transform the way we hold ourselves. It's going to transform the way we approach life and the way we do life. So let's have a little look, um, going a bit teachy today, if that's okay, church, okay? On the biblical understanding of what it means to be blessed. So in the Old Testament, um, a man would not leave his family house, his father's house, until he was blessed by his father. See, the father would lay his hand upon his son, and it was a symbol of giving his approval. I'm approving you. I'm blessing you. And I want to say that this moment, this occasion, this moment where a son was blessed by his father had nothing to do with what his son had done. It had nothing to do whether he had been good, whether he had been bad, whether he had been fruitful in his life to this point. Whether, you know, what he got, it wasn't even to do with the possessions that he had. It was all to do with the position that he held in the family. He was the family. He was the firstborn son now there's a whole other thing about the firstborn I haven't got time to get into that today that's another time um, a message for another time but I want you to understand that this was about his position in the family and that is why he was blessed this blessing was recognized by others by the people around him they recognized those in the family that had been blessed they had the fatherly blessing and the, the son that was blessed, he would go about and favor would find him. He would find open doors because of the blessing that he felt from his father. Because he knew that his father had put his hand upon him, his hand of approval, and that he had blessed him. This blessing allowed the son to be able to fulfill his assignment. To be able to fulfill his purpose, his calling, because he had his father's blessing, his hand upon him. And we find that it's significance and importance to this in Genesis 27. Where we find that Isaac, um, he, he's coming to the end of his life. His sight is failing him. And he wants to bless his son, his firstborn son, before he passes away to give the fatherly blessing. The problem is, is that the younger son, Jacob, it deceives him. And he ends up giving the blessing to Jacob and not Esau, his eldest son. Let us just read quickly from uh Genesis 27, picking up in verse 33. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and bought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. This is talking about Jacob. When Esau, he's the firstborn, heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Bless me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. See here, Esau is not bothered about possession. He's not bothered about what he try and get. But he's bothered that he's missed out on his father's blessing. The significance of that. Who are people going to recognize him as? Where's the favor going to come from him? Verse 36, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? He knew the importance of the blessing. He knew that he was unable to fulfill his calling, his um, assignment, his appointed purpose without this blessing. Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. See, he understood the weight of this blessing, being blessed by the father, that it was his right. He was the position, the firstborn. He should have had this blessing. Then we read on into the New Testament, and the blessing continues. What it means to be blessed continues. And even Jesus was blessed by his father. Get that. Even Jesus was blessed by his father. In Matthew uh, 3, Jesus is just being baptized. He is at the beginning of uh, his ministry life. And it says here, uh, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. See, at this point, Jesus had done nothing. He had not walked on water, he had not fed the 5,000, he had not healed the sick, he had not raised anyone from the dead. But here his father is giving his blessing because of his position as his son. And God says, I am blessing you, I am approving you, I am affirming you, I am loving you because you are my son. See, we see here throughout the Bible that blessing is not to do with possession but it's all to do with position our position nothing to do with what we can accumulate nothing to do with what we can gather what we can make up in our own power but about our position and i reckon paul understood this the apostle paul he writes in philippians 4 i'm not saying this because i am in need for i have learned to be content whatever the circumstances." I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, you look at Paul's life, and many of the times he's in lack. He's in prison. He's going from town to town. He's shipwrecked. His life would look anything but blessed. But here he writes, I've learned the art of being content. Because he understands the power of blessing. He understands that the power of blessing goes beyond material. It goes beyond a title. It goes beyond acquisition. It goes beyond the things that are seen. It goes way beyond the things that are seen. That the godly blessing, what God does, is often in the unseen. And it carries a weight. It carries a, a grandeur that's way bigger than a new car. That's way better than a new house or that holiday, or that kind of going forward in your pay grade, or that new title, it's way bigger than that. And I want us to look at Ephesians 1. Probably one of my favorite books in the Bible is Ephesians. And Ephesians 1 is going to help us to understand the power of this blessing and what this means. Ephesians 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Get that. Every spiritual blessing you have been blessed. Regardless of what you do have of what you don't have, you are blessed. I want you to say turn to your neighbor and say I am blessed. I am blessed. If you want a title this morning, I want you to remember one thing, I am blessed. I am blessed. Let me just share with you uh, three ways that you are already blessed. The first one is this, is you are chosen. Verse 4 goes on to say of this uh, Ephesians 1, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He chose you. I think there are times in our lives, from being even very young, we have an experience of being chosen. I remember the first time that I was picked for milk monitor. It was a privilege. It was so good. Firstly, you got to miss a little bit of work because when the milk crate arrived in the corner, it was like, okay, milk monitor, you're up. So you'd kind of go over to the milk crate, and you had these little blue straws. And um, when I was at school, I don't know what happens these days, um, but there was these like little glass mini milk bottles. They were so cool with um, like a silver uh, foil on top, and you had to get the blue straws and pierce the lid and put it in for everyone in the class. Then when you'd done that and you did it really slowly to take up more time, <laughs> all 28 straws, you would then have to deliver and go and hand them out to uh, to the rest of the class. Milk monitor, it was a big deal. And I remember when I first got chose for that. I then progressed from that and I remember um, getting chosen to be a part in a school play. Who, who used to love being in school plays? Where's my actors, my drama queens, kings? Yeah. When, and in our school, again, if you, you'd go and audition, and then the moment came where you realized whether you were chosen or whether you didn't make it this year. And a, a board went up in the corridor, and you'd literally run, and it be like, the board's up, everyone would be legging it, looking down for your name, like, ooh, have I got the part? And it's like, yes, I remember when I got chosen, I was one of the uh, the orphans in Annie. I was loving it. It was like literally the pinnacle of one of my things um, that I used to love. I have actually got a drama degree, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in there. So I was well into my uh, drama, my drama things. Um, So, you know, we got picked for that. I got picked for the sports netball team. I was good at, I love that, Wing Attack, uh, that was always good, but be chosen for that. And then, you know, you kind of, you know, through life, you then progress, don't progress, you? you get chosen uh, to take on a role in uh, a job opportunity. I remember my very first interview, I don't know how, but I'd managed quite a lot of my young teens, early 20s by just blagging my way for a job. I'd never actually had an interview till I was, I don't know, I can't remember how old it was. It was mid twenties. Anyway, I remember being in it. It was like for a real job in school, and there was the head teacher, the deputy head, um, the the people, the I can't remember them. Behaviour management senior person. Anyway, and I was just like, there's no way I'm getting this job. I'm sat there like them three looking at me and I'm like, no, never going to choose me. But I remember the call that I got that late afternoon to say, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't think I'm qualified, but okay. But that moment, it was an amazing moment when you got chosen. And then uh, eventually when my uh, boyfriend at the time got down on one knee and chose me to be his wife, it was a great moment. I think we had an engagement last week. Where's um, Matt? Are they here? Yes! This moment! He chose you, Georgie. Come on! And I want to say, as good as all those moments are, from Milk Monitor to being Annie to being married, and even as great as that moment was, Georgie and Matt, Nothing can compare to knowing that you are chosen by God. (laughs) Chosen by God. Get this, church. The creator of the universe chose you. Chose to be in relationship with you. Chose to have you in his life and world for all eternity. That's a long time. He chose you. Not only did he choose you, he didn't choose you to have a really naff job. Because that also happens in life, doesn't it? We get chosen for the rubbish jobs. He chose you to be his child. Your position today is that you are a child of God. Your position is co-heir with Christ. Romans 8, 17. Now if we are children, they are, we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's incredible. Just let that sink in for a moment. That you are an heir with Christ. You receive everything that he is. All that he is. Nothing to do with what you've done. Nothing to do with what you've accumulated. However good your CV is. However good accomplishments you are. However many houses you own or businesses you own. Whatever titles come before or after your name. Has nothing to do with that. He chose you to be his child. He also chose you the way you are. He created you. I love Psalm 139. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God created you, crafted you, designed you with your personality traits, with your giftings. He put into you everything that he wanted you to have in your world. You are his masterpiece. That's incredible. I'm God's masterpiece. I mean, I would chisel a few things here and swap a few things out here. But to God, I'm his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are known by him. He knows everything about you. He created you. He designed you. He knitted you together. The word of God says in Jeremiah, "Before before you were born, I knew you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Some of you, that's a little easier. (laughs) He knows your thoughts before you think them. Come on, some of you have started to think about dinner already. He knows. Come on, refocus. He knows you. So I want you to know today that you are blessed because you are chosen by God. And maybe some of you in this place are feeling rejected. Maybe you're feeling overlooked. Maybe you're feeling unseen. Or maybe you're working really hard to be chosen, to be putting yourself out there, to let people know who you are and your capabilities. And that's all good. And God will do some of those for you. But I want you to know that nothing compares to you being chosen by God. I am blessed because I am chosen. The second thing is this is that you are blessed because you are redeemed. You are redeemed. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. To be redeemed, it means to buy back, to take back, to pay in full. We must have talked about that last week at Easter. We talked about that God came. He sent his son to die on a cross for our sin, a sin that we could not pay. And he redeemed us, he bought us back, he paid for us. I remember uh, a few years back. It was a few years back now, but we, uh, we'd been invited out for dinner for someone's birthday. And it was one of those seasons where, you know, we didn't have a lot of margin in our budget, and every little pot, every penny was accounted for. And I knew that this, this particular birthday, it was not going to be a cheap one. You know, it wasn't just a quick cheap one at Nando's, that kind of thing. You know, this is going to be a big deal, full three courses, all, you know, it's going to be big. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll come, thinking, no. This is not going to be good. We're going to have to sort out our parts. And how is this all going to work? And I remember feeling, sitting in the restaurant and kind of like thinking, you know, let's just find the cheapest thing on here. How can we do this? Let's share a starter. We'll, you know, we'll skip pudding or, you know, losing the calories and all that. So, you know, we're trying to think this way through. And then it gets to the end of the meal. And the person that invited us um, turns out, you know, we're getting out looking at the bill. And I'm thinking, please don't add it anymore on, you know. And, and the person says, hey. We've got this. We're going to pay for it. And, ah, that moment where the weight just lifts off. You think, oh, that's so good. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. And then I start to think, oh, I wish I'd have known that earlier. (laughs) Because, you know, I really did want all that starter and Mark, Nick, way too much. And that sticky toffee pudding, you know, I I sacrificed that. Because the thing is, when you know that something's been paid for, you act differently. It changes your behavior. It changes the way you think. There suddenly is a weight lifted off of you. There suddenly is a freedom, an open space that you can live in. And I want us to know today that you have been redeemed by Jesus. No longer do you have to carry the weight of sin. Think about that. Every mistake, every failure, every mess up that you have made in your past and in your future, God has already paid for it. It's already been paid for. That means, church, that we should act differently. It means that we should have a different spring in our step. It means that we are not victim. That we're not restricted and weighed down by our sin, but that we can live blessed. That we can walk around saying, I am blessed because I've been redeemed. When we can understand the magnitude of what God's done, it changes the way we behave. I am blessed. No longer victim, sinner, guilty, but now righteous, free. I am blessed. And the last thing is this, the third reason that you are blessed is that you have a purpose. You have a purpose. Pastor Glenn always say that there's two great uh, days in your life, the day you were born and the day that you know what you were born for. When I grew up, um, I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an ice cream lady. I wanted to have my own van, my ice cream van, and I wanted to drive around because I wanted to give free ice creams to all my family and friends. Um, I used to love, you know, that ice cream van that came to our street. It brought so much joy and happiness, and I just, you know, apparently this is what I wanted to be, that I wanted to do this. I had this revelation when I was thinking about this yesterday, two things. Firstly, I thought, actually... If we go to the root of what I wanted to do, I'm like, I've kind of done that. Because I think there's a part of me that wanted to bring joy to people's lives and give them something that was free. And I'm thinking that pretty much that's what I do. I share the good news of Jesus, and it's for free. So don't underestimate your kids when they say what they want to be, because somewhere God has a way of weaving it out. And then the other thing that I realized when I was thinking about this is that as kids we all want to be something i want to be an ice cream lady i want to be a fire person i want to be a teacher i want to be i want to be but something happens that transitions to that when we become adults it's all about what we want to do all about what we want to do and less about what we want to be one of the most googled questions is what is the meaning of life so many people spend so many hours and days and money trying to find the pursuit for meaning of life they look at it in all the wrong places different relationships different things that they try and fill the void for the the lack of having purpose in their life but i want you to know that you have a purpose Ephesians 11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Might be. Not do, but we would be for the praise of his glory. Church, we are his masterpiece. We are his pleasure. God wants to take Uh, pleasure in us he loves us our purpose is simple is to know God and make him known that we just be in relationship with him he's committed to making us more like him in his image and through life we can go through seasons where we're like what is going on everything is hard everything is challenging everything feels like we're in valley or we're struggling to climb a mountain But I wanna say that God will use all the different things in our life. Nothing is wasted with God. Every season of your life, I want you to know nothing's wasted. God uses it, He crafts it, He uses it to refine us. He uses the challenging seasons in our lives to reshape us, to mold us, so that we can fulfill our purpose, fulfill our calling that He has placed on each and every one of us. Romans 28, 8:28 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, in all things, he's working out everything, so if you're feeling right now that you don't have purpose, that if nothing's going your way, then I want to say that if you have breath in your lungs, if your heart is beating, then God still has a plan for you, There is something for you still. God's still yet to do things in your life. You are yet to see what God has in store. And right now, He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's crafting you. So you can house everything that He wants to do in your life. You have a purpose. We have to trust that His ways are higher. We have to trust that He knows the end from the beginning. We have to trust that He's working all things, the verse says for good for your good for your good so church I want you to know today that you are blessed because you're chosen you're blessed because you've been redeemed you're blessed because you have a purpose and when you grasp that it should make you think differently it should make you walk differently it should make you speak differently and it should make you act differently I am blessed. Everyone say, I am blessed. The truth is you are blessed. But there's also truth that you have blessing that is available to you. See, my kids, their position will never change. They will always be my kids. When I die, they'll inherit all that I have. But who knows, as a loving parent, I want to see them blessed now. I want to see them live in joy now. I want to see them be fulfilled now. I want to see them grow and thrive now. And it's the same with God. Baseline, you're blessed. You're chosen, redeemed, have a purpose. But also because He's a loving God, He wants to pour blessing into your life. He wants you to see uh, good things happen. He wants your family to be blessed. He wants your finances to be blessed. He wants your health to be blessed. He wants blessing for you. But just like my kids... Kids, if you want things to go well, then you need to listen to my instruction. If you follow instruction, things are gonna go well. Life's gonna go well for you. If you don't follow instruction, you are gonna, you know, there's gonna be problems. And the Bible says the same for us. If we go back to Psalm 128, it says, Bless are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, and who walk in obedience to him. Now you might be thinking, that doesn't really compute in my head, Emily. Fear God. I thought he's this loving, compassionate, good God. I wanna say there's two types of fear in the Bible. The first one is called Pahada. pahad. It's apologies for my uh, Hebrew pronunciation. But this kind of fear is dread or terror. It means dread or terror. And the reality is God is a just God. And so for the people who choose to do evil, for the people who choose to not repent, who turn away from God, God is going to uh, be just. He's gonna hand out justice to those people. So for those people, there is a sense of wrath will come. But we are children of God, we are not children of wrath. So we do not have to fear God in this way. But the second uh, word for fear in the Bible is yore, which means piety and reverence. Some translations actually say those who revere the Lord will be blessed. And this is about God's goodness and God's greatness, His majesty, His splendor, His bigness, His faithfulness, everything that is about God, that we would be people who are just in awe of God that our obedience, the way that we walk with God, the way we follow His ways comes out a place of love and awe and reverence, not a place of fear and punishment. Jesus says in John fourteen twenty one, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So our obedience, it comes from the love for God. So if we're wanting to see blessing in our family, if we're wanting to see blessing in relationships, in our work, in our health, in our finances, then it starts with fearing God. It starts with having an awe and a reverence. It starts with looking up to God saying, God, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful that you chose me. I'm so thankful that you redeemed me. I'm so thankful that I have a plan and a purpose in this life. God, I'm so thankful. And then watch the blessing flow. And then watch the doors open as we follow his ways, as we keep looking to him. And we make him the prize, not possession. Not possession of stuff. Not another nice car, another holiday, another house, another pay increase another title, another recognition here or there. They are not the prize. We keep focused on our position, child of God, chosen, redeemed, loved by him. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And I guess really our response today is simple. It's one of thankfulness it's one of gratitude and it's one of us probably for most of us in this place if we're honest it's reprioritizing what we're in awe of what is your prize what is your focus maybe for some of us we've got too wrapped up and awe with the next thing with increasing our wealth with increasing our accolades and our accomplishments in our own strength instead of just being in awe of God in his goodness, in his faithfulness, in his love. So I want to create a moment right now. And if you know, okay, come on, I need to refocus. I need to put him first again. I need to be in awe of him and not possession. I need to have that revelation again, a reminder of my position as a child of God. Then why don't we just raise our hands for a moment. Just begin to thank him. God, I thank you that you chose me with all my mistakes, with all my failures. You chose me. God, you're so good. God, you're so holy. God, you're so worthy. There's nothing I could do to pay the price for my sin, but you did. I'm free, redeemed, made whole, healed. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let that sink in for a moment. For some of you, you need to hear that you are chosen. I want you to hear the word of God say to your spirit today that you are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. I want you to feel the weight of God's approval, affirmation and love today. Some of you in this place just need to take a breath and realize that you don't carry the weight of sin anymore. No sin, no shame. There's no condemnation. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Price paid in full.